0: Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Love it or hate it, we need to talk about it. And today's episode is all about money, how much to charge and how to navigate those difficult conversations. We're funny about money, aren't we? Especially here in the UK, people often really don't like talking about it. But it's important to be able to, especially when you're running a business. And when educators become business people, there can be an added challenge. One of the things that often crops up is that educators feel greedy or guilty for charging high fees, and this relates to something that I think needs to be normalised. If we want to earn a decent income from our education business, it doesn't make us care less about our clients or their outcomes. I can be a tutor, earn great money, and care about my students all at the same time. So when it comes to money, I think mindset is everything. I'm passionate about supporting people who want to design businesses their way, and part of that is using money as a tool and also being able to navigate challenging or uncomfortable conversations about money. Sometimes a way to mitigate difficult conversations, like chasing payments, can be through terms and conditions and automation. For instance, I haven't had any late payers for around three years since I automated my invoicing and payment process. If you want more on this, take a listen to episode six, where I've packed it full of solutions that can work with any budget. But really, no matter how many systems and processes we have in place, our mindset is always the driver. So today I'm going to unpack two big areas. Firstly, I'll talk about ways to decide how much to charge. I'll talk about it from a principal point of view so you can get some ideas, and then I'll show you a simple calculation so you can work out what your minimum hourly rate should be. And then I'll talk about ways to lead difficult conversations around money, like communicating price increases or chasing late payers. So starting with how much to charge, let's get one thing clear. If you say, I don't do it for the money, or I'm not driven by money, you're immediately on a back foot because... Money needs to be a driver in our business because it's an enabler. For instance, you might set up a business to support people from disadvantaged backgrounds, but how can you do that without some money behind you in the first place? Or you might set up a business so you can spend more time with your family. Same thing applies. How will you afford to have that freedom if you can't pay your bills? So your why may not be money, but money enables your why. From a business perspective, it's also important to think of money as a tool rather than something that simply goes into your bank account. It's a tool to connect with the people you want to work with because there are customers for every price point. If there weren't, then we wouldn't have one pound shops and designer brands sharing the retail space. So when we think about it, money is a tool to communicate your value proposition, what you're bringing to the table. Let's say you were buying an outfit for your wedding day. If you saw an outfit sold for £1,000 in a wedding shop and the same one for £15 in a low-budget shop, which one are you more likely to buy? Chances are you'd spend the £1,000 because it's your wedding day, it's special, and that price tag is telling you that the quality is better, even if it isn't. And it's the same with our businesses. If you entered the market at, say, £10 an hour, what impression do you think people would get? What kind of clients do you think you'd attract? Perhaps you would attract people who are genuinely on a shoestring budget. And if that's who you want to help, then you're pricing yourself correctly. But chances are those very customers have a car, a phone, maybe some subscriptions. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that regardless of budget, People prioritize paying for things that they see as being valuable to them. And money is an important piece of the puzzle when it comes to communicating that value. As consumers, we buy products and services to solve problems. And often when we deal with service-based businesses, those decisions have an emotional element to them. So although I've talked about money being a tool to communicate value, it's also a way to communicate what you bring to the table. This isn't about qualifications or how many years of experience you have. This is about finishing the sentence, when you work with me, you will achieve. Or when you work with me, you will feel. When you know those outcomes and you know who you want to work with and why, you'll know how much to charge. And if you want some help in defining your why, take a listen to episode four, where I talk about creating your own business blueprint. But as I mentioned earlier, There is a calculation you can do to work out your baseline hourly rate. I'll base this explanation on a tuition business, but you can adapt it to yours if you run a different kind of education business. And just a heads up, you may need to listen to this section twice or make some notes. Step one is to work out the minimum you need to earn. Let's say that's £1,000 a month. That works out to around £250 a week. Step two is to work out how many hours you teach or are aiming to teach every week. Let's set that to 10 hours a week. So you need to earn £1,000 a month, which let's say is £250 a week, and you aim to teach 10 hours a week. Step three is to work out how many hours you spend behind the scenes, perhaps creating resources, admin, marketing and so on. Let's set that to four hours a week. At this stage, I would also add any expenses here, let's say for automation or staff like assistance. But let's keep this example simple. In this example, you're working a total of 14 hours a week. That's 10 hours of teaching plus four hours behind the scenes. And you need to earn £250 every week. If I divide 250 by 14, that works out to about £18 an hour. But I can't charge my clients directly for those four hours where I'm working behind the scenes. But I do need to absorb that time into my business and get paid for it because I'm working. So I'm on £18 an hour and my behind the scenes work takes four hours a week. 18 times four is £72. So I need to earn £72 to make sure that I'm getting paid for those four hours that fall outside of teaching. So I need to distribute £72 across my 10 teaching hours to make sure that I'm not out of pocket. £72 divided by 10 is £7.20. So I need to add that to my hourly rate that I'll be charging clients. As we said, we need to earn a minimum of £18 an hour. 18 plus £7.20 is £25.20. So I know that if I charge a minimum of £25.20 per hour of teaching and I teach 10 hours a week, I'll be earning what I need every month. And it covers all of my working hours, not just my teaching hours. And when you blend this calculation with the principle of using money as a communication tool, you can confidently charge a fee that works for you and attracts the kind of clients you want to work with. Of course, there are practicalities to consider. If you're delivering a face-to-face service or have a bricks-and-mortar business, the local going rates might need to be considered. But if you're an online business, the world is literally your marketplace. Now moving on to the second thing I said I'd talk about, having those difficult conversations. The top three discomforts that I hear people expressing are, number one, feeling awkward to chase payments. Number two, the pressure when a client thinks they're too expensive. And number three, increasing prices, especially for existing clients. So I'll focus on these. Let's imagine this scenario. You've delivered a service and despite your terms and conditions, your client hasn't paid you. You've sent a polite reminder and nothing. You've sent another reminder, still nothing. Now you're frustrated, but you need or want their business. So you feel uncomfortable being assertive in case you drive them away. Now let's think of it this way, regardless of the size of your business, running your business is costing you money because remember the time that you spend, the time you spend running your business needs to be absorbed and if we asked all of your clients whether they thought it was reasonable to pay to work, not work for free because remember your business costs you money, if we asked them if they would pay to work, chances are every one of them would say no. So when a client doesn't pay you, they're showing a huge lack of respect and essentially saying that it's okay for you to pay to work. Now, they may not be doing it with those intentions, but regardless, it does show a huge lack of respect because the concept of paying for a product or service isn't exactly new to them. So let's return to the scenario. With that in mind, you should have zero hesitation to be assertive. You're not being unreasonable. They are. And don't be afraid of losing the client because if they're a non-payer, you're losing money by keeping them on anyway. Also, one thing to consider is that we wouldn't or couldn't walk out of a shop without paying. If we don't pay our phone bill, we get cut off. Rental payments are often made in advance. And everyone is used to this, including our clients. It's nothing new. So it's actually important to set those boundaries and expectations nice and early. And that should avoid needing to have those conversations later down the line once you've built a relationship with your clients. As I mentioned earlier, when it comes to money, mindset is really important. Now for scenario number two. A client really wants you and you want their business. Maybe you need their business, but they think you're too expensive and or they're trying to negotiate your fee. You have two choices. Wave goodbye to them or give them a discount. Now, here's the thing. This is your business. This has to be on your terms. So you should be in the driver's seat. And that means that a conversation shouldn't even go as far as negotiations, unless, of course, you assume people will negotiate and you've accounted for that margin. But I'll be honest, if someone says I'm too expensive for them, I either offer them a cheaper alternative or shut down the conversation. I tell them that I completely understand and they should go elsewhere to find someone that fits their budget. And it's true. I really do understand and empathize. I can't buy everything I want because it's not within my budget. But that doesn't mean that I should take a hit with my livelihood to accommodate them. They simply aren't the right client for me and I'm not right for them. We aren't a good fit. I know it's a controversial topic, but one way to reduce the chances of having those conversations is to publish your prices. Have them visible. Be transparent. If you offer something that's bespoke, you can publish a ballpark figure. That way, chances are that when someone contacts you, they have self-qualified. They enter the conversation knowing that they can afford you. But I have to say that no matter how transparent you are, people will still often ask, how much do you charge? So another way is to put some gatekeepers in place. For instance, you could use a scheduling app or even a free online form so that when someone is booking a call with you or asking for further information, they have to tick a box where they confirm that they acknowledge how much you charge. Some people might get to that stage and not press the submit button. It sounds scary like you're losing customers, or you might feel that once you speak to them, they'll change their mind. And so there is a school of thought that if you display your prices, people are going to look at that instead of focusing on the value that you're offering. And I don't dispute that. But the way I see it is that if someone goes on, let's say, my website and only looks at my prices, then they aren't the right client for me anyway, because they're not actually interested in the value I'm offering. And I'm not interested in trying to convince someone to work with me. Also, like you, I'm time poor, so I really don't want to be spending ages trying to sell myself to someone who's only interested in how much I charge. So there's no right and wrong. You have to do what you feel most comfortable with. Now for scenario number three, you've decided to increase your prices. It's not a problem for new clients, but how can you tell your existing clients? It can be tricky because psychologically, when things change, People feel like, well, that wasn't the deal. So personally, I always enter the market at a price I'm happy with. And if I have any increases, I only apply that to new clients. I honor historical prices. But if you enter the market at a rate that isn't sustainable for you, then you need to have that conversation. And here are a few ways you can approach it. In fact, I asked the members in my Facebook group what they thought, and here are some of their ideas. Charlotte Watson from Wonderlearn says to give lots of notice and to include a line in your terms and conditions stating that you may make reasonable adjustments to your price annually. I think this is really key. In fact, in our episode about transitioning to group tuition, Charlotte mentioned how she communicated this to all of her one to one clients well in advance and didn't lose any of them. Deppan Patel from Bright Mind Academy shared an interesting concept of making customers feel valued. He agreed with Charlotte about giving lots of notice, but added that you could reward loyal customers by giving them a longer time period to adjust to a higher fee. And this is something that resonates with me because we often focus on getting new clients, but there's a lot of value in looking after existing ones. Claire Riley from Classroom Secrets says to think about your language when you're communicating and says not to approach it like it will be a problem. And related to this, Chrissy Knight, who's an English tutor, says how it's important to provide hard facts to justify the price increase. And Arthur George, a maths tutor, added that people appreciate honesty. If, however, you feel really nervous, Natalie Verbo from Firefly Education said that she used to practice saying the price aloud before calling clients. And she makes a good point that not everyone is your client and that's okay. So a quick thank you to everyone who participated in this discussion. And if you'd like to join my Facebook group, the link is in the show notes. Now I'm going to quickly add an idea to this as well. If you tutor students long-term, or have clients long-term, then one way to do this is to build the price increase into your pricing model. For instance, let's say you have someone who starts with you while they're in a specific year group. When they move to the next one, you can give parents lots of notice and tell them that your charge for teaching that year group is whatever you choose. I structure my pricing model in tiers anyway, But it was useful for me when I was increasing my prices because it presented a very logical increase to parents, and no one has ever questioned it. So if you're still with me, here are some takeaways from today's episode. Number one, when it comes to money, mindset is everything. Even if your clients are friends of yours, everyone you work with should understand that you're running a business, and they should value the service that you're offering. Remember, earning a healthy income from your business doesn't make you care less about your clients. Number two, if you're trying to work out how much to charge, combine the principle of using money as a communication tool with the calculation to work out what your minimum needs to be. And number three, when trying to navigate difficult conversations around money, communication and language matters. But this has to be backed by your mindset, as this will help you feel confident when communicating. Next week, I'm going to tackle common tutorpreneur challenges, things like navigating dilemmas, what to do if you're stuck in the freemium model. This is where your freebies fly off the shelf, but you can't get people to pay for services and products. I'll talk about ways to make room in your budget to invest in your business, and there'll be plenty more, so do stay tuned. I'm sure this won't be the only episode I dedicate to Tutorpreneur challenges because there are so many of them. But for now, thank you so much for listening. And if you have a quick moment, please do leave a review.